chapter 14. We'll get there in a moment, but just open up there for now. It's great to hear Jed's testimony. It's great to hear all of our testimonies. And uh, whether we've been around a few weeks or many, many years, we've heard many, many testimonies. And in part, I guess, um, I want to talk today about uh, really making sure we protect what the Lord's given to us. You know, we're such a blessed people. You're taking a title for the talk, Don't Get Lost in the Noise, is what I want to talk about. A little bit about thoughts. I just want to look at a few things to start with. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then we'll get to where we are here. Our brain, most of them, most of us have got one. Uh, get a scan, that'll tell you. Whether we use it or not is another thing, but we've got one. Uh, and it acts as a control centre for our body. Uh, it sends and receives messages all over our bodies in the form of electrical pulses using our ner- nervous system. And if you've been able to sort of tune into some uh, documentary or whatever that you know describes and shows some of this stuff, uh, it just reinforces how amazing God's creation is. Uh, the numbers that they talk about of cells and all these sorts of things and, and distances and lengths of the wiring in our body and all that sort of stuff to send these messages around. And the brain's very complicated, but in, in essence there's two sort of major parts involved there. One part of our brain is controlled by us. Uh, and now, you know, we, we have a thought, whatever we want to do, we send messages to our muscles to perform tasks like walking or going to the sink and getting a drink, jumping, talking, whatever it is, the, the types of things that we do, thinking and learning and deciding upon things are all things that even though you might not stop and sort of think about it really deeply and that is they're conscious thoughts that we make to perform tasks. And the other side of our brain works automatically to keep us alive, things such as our heartbeat, blood flow, temperature control, breathing and digestion, involuntary reflexes are performed without us ever thinking about it. You know, and you just think, I've just mentioned a few things, but there's an amazing, there'd be more going on inside of, inside of our body than in a city. You know, all of the things that are occurring there. And these thoughts, the ones that we have a consciousness over, if you like, are very much governed by our upbringing, our surroundings, our interests and our involvement in things. And we all think about different things once we start to get to that sort of stuff. And I've just jotted down here, I mean, how many of us think about particle acceleration? Sure, Pastor David does, you know, the Hedron Collider and all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, it's not on our platform, is it? Dentistry and walruses and fur seals, you know, (laughs) probably don't think a great deal about it. But I guess if you're a marine vet, these are things that you need to have your head around. And how do they get the heads on pins? You know, you imagine welding them on there. It must be quite difficult, but I'm sure someone will come up afterwards and tell me how it's actually done. But there's so many things that we don't think about, we don't spend time on, uh, you know, in life, around the world, and all sorts of things. But there's one thing that we do, the Word of God and being a Christian and serving the Lord. These things should always be at the forefront of our lives, and hopefully our thoughts at all times. And I guess we we think about this, that our thoughts can take us in two directions. We can have thoughts based around positive, spiritual, scripture-based direction and have a wonderful outcome. Or we can be negative, we can have an earthly sort of thought, thinking about, uh, you know, 
sort of going through things in a natural way and everything and quite often we end up with a disappointing outcome on those things. So I guess with some of those things in place, I want to read here in Matthew 14 a story that we know very, very well. I'm going to start reading in verse 22. We'll read through it. Verse 22 says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out with fear. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? When they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. When they were in their ship, came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. And I guess this is a story we know very, very well. And, you know, first of all, Jesus is walking to them on the water. And we see there in verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were troubled. And so immediately, whether they, you know, actually could understand the process, they were, they'd done some thinking about this very, very quickly, but they did some thinking and this troubled them. Seeing this person walking on the water and wondering what it might be. But Jesus spoke to them and he said, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. So he's processed a thought and he's come up with the most ridiculous thing. If it's you, make me come and walk to you on the water. You know, what a stupid thing to say. No one had ever done it before. And Jesus said, come. (laughs) Unbelievable. And Peter got out of the boat and walked to him. You know, and you think, this all had to be processed and thought about. And at that time, there's just not enough stuff in this story for us to answer all the questions about where Peter's head was, but it was with Jesus because he walked on the water. But then, of course, we read on. We're not going to reread it again, but we know the story very well. He was then driven by the external circumstances and it changed the way that he thought. You know, he defied everything all of the laws of physics and everything else, and he walked across the water to his Lord. We don't know how far, we don't know for how long, but he did it. And then he became a natural man again, if you like, driven by what he could see and hear and all these things, and it overrode the power of God in his life at that moment, and he began to sink. But even so, Jesus pulled him up out of the water probably walked back with Jesus to the boat, got into the boat and everything was calm. And Jesus said, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know, why did you doubt? You were doing this amazing thing, walking on the water. His focus had shifted. And I guess that's what we want to talk about today for us. Don't get lost in the noise of this life. You know, we've been given this wonderful treasure that we need to hang on to 
at all costs. If you're taking notes in Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, Actually, we will go there because there's an interesting point to that. Just go there for a moment. Follow a bit of extra time today, I imagine. Second Corinthians chapter 5. We will read three verses here just to make the point with the one I want. Uh, chapter 5, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident. And you get confident by thinking about something, processing it, making sure in your mind that you believe it or that you're driven by it. Therefore, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And then it's got it in brackets. It's got a semicolon and then this statement is bracketed in the middle of it. It says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that sums Peter up to the T. He stepped out of the boat by faith and away he went until he started to look, did the reverse and failed. We are confident, I say, that willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. And it's really about the way that we think, the way we act, the way we're driven by the thoughts that we have. And I want to have a little bit, a little bit of a look, just while we've got a bit of time here, at some of the things, the way that God thinks towards us. So we'll go over to Psalm 33. I'm just going to look at a couple of Psalms here. Just in, um, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 11, it says, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever the thoughts of his heart to all generations. You think about that, it's always very, very hard because we we are a people, you know, as human beings and so forth, and we're raised in the world that we live in, it is really a great deal about seeing, you know. Like, I know all of you people because I've spent so much time with you, but I can be somewhere else and still know exactly what you look like, how you talk, and all these sorts of things, but we haven't seen God. We've got no idea what God's like, you know, to, to, to visually see, if you like. But we're told here that counsel or the advice that God gives, the direction that he gives, stands forever. If God said it, that's it. And all the people said underneath your mask, I'm sure you're saying amen. You know, and you think the thoughts of his heart to all generations. This is not a five-minute wonder. This was all in place when God said, let there be light. And the, the plan and the purpose was to have you and I and anybody that will listen to his word to be his children. Just across a couple of them to Psalm 40. It's quite well known, but I think it's just worth reminding ourselves what they say. Psalm 40, verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. God's thoughts are toward you and I. It's an amazing thought. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. 139, over to Psalm 139, verse 17. It says, How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! That's God's thoughts towards us. You know, sometimes we think we're a bit insignificant. You know, it could be you know, just in the dark and you're wide awake in the middle of the night and, you know, you just think you're all alone, you know. And uh, I guess naturally in a lot of ways we might be, but we're certainly not alone and away from the Lord. He's with us at all times. And then in Psalm 139 and verse 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And that's a plea, I guess, from the psalmist, but it should be a plea from us. 
For the Lord does search us to know our heart, to try us and to know our thoughts, you know, and that we might be able to bring those into line with the things of God if they, if that needs to be the case. And just back into Psalm 94, Psalm 94, and in verse 17, he writes here, Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. You know, and it's just incredibly comforting to know that that's what God thinks of you and I. You know, that he's, he's not interested in, in the rest of all of his creation that does what he says. I've mentioned it many, many times, but his focus and his intent is upon us. And I think that, uh, I'm sure we do, but we need to remind ourselves from time to time not to get lost in the noise of this world, you know. In Proverbs, don't turn there if you're just taking notes, in Proverbs 16 and verse 3, it says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. And I guess when we're committed to the work of the Lord, when the, the work of the Lord is our complete focus, our complete directive, we understand the, the wonderful blessing that's been given to us and the responsibility, and that's the major thing in our life, then our thoughts will be established. We'll be in a good place. We won't be bothered by many of these things. And, of course, when Jesus came the first time, he came to establish a preparation method to be ready the second time. So he came and he, he lived and, uh, he, you know, he obviously grew up and he began his, his ministry, his three and a half years, where he spoke of things that had never been spoken about on the earth before. He talked about change, direction, a whole a plethora of things that he talked about. He said about what he would do in the days approaching this, the last days here on earth, that he would give his life, that he would rise again, and that the comforter would be poured out and given to the individual to be called to be the sons and daughters of the living God. So let's go to Matthew 24. We'll start reading in verse 4. Again, well-known scriptures, but we're looking at don't get lost in the noise. Verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. You shall hear of wars and rumours of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers or different places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and they shall kill you. You shall be hated for all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And I was just thinking this word pestilences in here is any deadly infectious malady. And that's very much what we're seeing at the moment in the world with COVID. 
But I guess what I want to talk about a little bit is is not to get lost in the noise. It's very, very easy in this life to get lost in the noise. We've lived here in Australia in particular, but in the lifetime of most of us, we've lived an incredibly charmed life. Now, whether you're in the Lord or not, in the circumstances as a nation, I guess, that we find ourselves in, World War One, World War Two, and the Worldwide Depression were probably the last major big things and not too many of us were alive at the time. Those of us that are old enough to have been alive at the time were not old enough to understand the implications of such things. <clears throat> I was thinking, you know, probably most people here, things such as polio don't cross your mind. It was not that long ago that it was a major thing, you know. You'd have kids in your school in all sorts of difficulties and so forth. But now, on a spoon or however you get it when you're a kid, you know, it's uh, it's not a thing anymore. And we just live this charmed and amazing life, and along comes COVID. But I'm just wondering, what if this is the first of some major things that are going to happen between now and when the Lord comes? I guess what I want to talk about, where's our headspace, and how are we dealing with this one? How are we personally and as a church dealing with COVID, for example? What's it doing to us? What's it doing to our thoughts, our direction, the way we serve the Lord and all those sorts of things? And then I was thinking, because it's about thinking, isn't it? I was thinking, what if in a few years, I don't know how long, how long the Lord's going to tarry, but what if in, a, in 5, 10, 15 years, if it's going to be that long, what if we're an occupied land? You know, what if we've been invaded and we're an occupied land like in the days of Jesus with an occupying force in the land? These are the same things that are spoken about in the verses that we just read about. You know, if we if we can't deal with what's going on with COVID, if that's sort of messing with our head too much, where are we going to be if we find ourselves in that situation as the days of the Lord get closer? What if, pray tell, we hope it never happens, but what if in this country a Muslim government was elected in this country? Where would that leave us? They'd pass a law that we couldn't believe in God that we couldn't pray, that we couldn't gather. How would we deal with that? Already in some parts of the world, some of our brothers and sisters live their daily lives this way. But we live this charmed existence here in Australia. What if we're at war in a few years' time? You know, how will we deal with that? What about starvation or another global depression? You know, how have we reacted to COVID and how would we react to those things? Life on earth's always been a very fragile and difficult thing. You know, if you're, I'm not a history person in the least, but if you look back through history or read the scriptures and so forth, life is this incredibly tenuous thing. You know, go to an old cemetery and the graves you'll see under two years of age, you know, and yet child mortality is such a rare thing today. And so I guess, uh, you know, we don't ever want to get lost in the noise. We want to understand from what Jesus told us, what's going to happen. We don't know all the points. All the nip and tuck is given us enough pointers that things are certainly going to hit the fan between now and when the Lord comes back. And we have to understand who we are, what he's called us to, and to strengthen each other in that resolve day to day. Um, It's a wonderful time, I think, this time now, to really get our heads in a good place about these are the, the days that we've known up till now, perhaps, 
are never going to be the same again. That they could get worse from here. But we've got to understand that the Lord is in us and he's given us everything that we need to navigate the time until he comes. You know, maybe when it all happens, you know, we research everything about COVID. You know, we're on our phones and we're on our computers and we're looking up all this, that and everything else and carrying on. Social media lights up, you know, you're allowed to have 10, you can have 20, you can't do this, you can't do that and all sorts. There's chitter-chatter, this and that. And then Pastor Graham quietly goes and talks to the authorities, finds out, shows them plans. You know, they're comfortable with everything that we do. And here we are today, complying with the law, giving unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, but giving unto the Lord which is the Lord. Underneath the mask, you said, and all the people said, I'm sure. You know, we can spend huge amount of time chasing world news, for example. You know, that in the old days, you used to have to get the advertiser in the morning to find out what was going on, and most of it happened yesterday or the day before. But now you can sit and watch 24-hour-a-day news all across the world. What's going on in Syria, what's going on here, there and everywhere, you can become quite efficient and quite proficient in understanding all the lining up of the nations and who's in charge here and what war's taking place there and this, that and everything else. You can become an expert in all sorts of things, but you could get lost in the noise. You know that those things take up so much time and they're so important that we haven't read our Bible today, we haven't prayed, or we haven't served the Lord, whatever it might be. It's so easy just to get lost in the noise. You know, and uh, I mean, I, I'm terrible. I sit down and watch the news and fall asleep, you know. I wake up and I found out that Port had won and the Crows had lost or whatever. Uh, but the funny part is, doesn't matter how much news we know, you can't change a thing, and all the people said. That's a really interesting point to remember. You can have all the knowledge about the, about the global situation and you can't change a thing. What you can do is preach the gospel. That's what we were told to do. That's our job. They'll destroy the earth and we'll just keep talking about the Lord and, and you know, keep ourselves in a situation with God and make sure that we're able to assist other people in finding the Lord also. Um, Jesus said that all of this stuff would happen. So there's probably no need for us to chase it up. You know, We don't have to find it out and tell him. He's already told us. And so all we need to do is to be ready. And I guess what I want to say to all of us, are we spending our time topping up our lamps with the simple basics of walking in the Lord or have we got ourselves lost in the noise a little bit? You know, it's something we all have to look at ourselves. There's not one of us here uh, that is any different to anybody else. We're all made the same way. All put our trousers on one leg at a time. You know, pull your jumper on over your head. We're all the same. We're all open to exactly the same things. But we have to guard ourselves and help guard each other. Uh, against these things, you know. And I guess I just go through a few, you know, like house meetings. You know, we've got to just ask ourselves, are house meetings important to us or aren't they? You know, it's a time that we put aside, and I've said many times that time is the true tithe. Time is the true sacrifice, because you give it to the Lord and you can't get it back. You know, if you leave the dirty dishes to go to the house meeting, you come back and the dirty dishes are still there. You've got to deal with them. But you've been and you've spent time with your brethren, you've spent time around the Lord, you've spent time rejoicing. You know, prayer nights. I mean, sometimes you can say things that are a bit blunt, 
but we have a big long prayer list and we can go to a prayer night and there's five people there. You know, and we've got to ask ourselves, is, is a prayer night, one hour once a month, important to us? Or isn't it? I don't know, we have to ask ourselves those things. But praise the Lord that we might consider these things and make a real concerted effort uh, to, to buoy ourselves up, if you like, in all these things. Midweek meetings, you know, what a great thing to be able to have this little pit stop in the middle of the week and come together and see our brothers and sisters. Outreaches, you know, as I say, sometimes all the communication on COVID lights up and the social media is everywhere and SMSs and WhatsApps going in all places and then we forget to go to an outreach. You know, we forget to be involved, for example, when with convention and so forth, you know, about being able to get the message out or whatever, however we're, uh, we might have been able to do that. We just want to make sure that these things don't just slip past us. Reading and praying and communicating. Let's not be missing in action in the work of the Lord, you know. This is something that only we can do for ourselves. And I was thinking about the five virgins, you know, the story there. We won't particularly go there. The five wise and the five foolish virgins. They were all there, all expecting to be married. They were all uh, prepared and, and for that purpose, if you like. They'd been uh, organised and set up for the marriage, if you like. The five virgins, they didn't leave. You know, they hadn't gone. They hadn't sort of just said, oh, no, I'm going to go off and live in this land or anything else. They just weren't ready. That was the only problem. They just weren't ready. They were otherwise occupied but they're still expecting the groom. They're still expecting the results of it all, but they just weren't ready, and that's the problem. I'm going to go to John 21, one of my favourite verses. I've often said, you know, with with uh, when we look at things like this, you know, we've got to look for these things and encourage uh, one another ourselves because nobody's going to come in and do it for us. You know, the government does what they need to do as far as the natural things of this land and health and all those types of things and it's up for us to look after our own spiritual well-being with the Lord and to encourage one another in these things. I'm not going to read this whole story but uh, we'll start in verse 19. So this is uh, Peter who's been told to feed the Lord's sheep when he's converted and Obviously the Lord's talking about a time when he receives the Holy Spirit and things are different on the other side of the upper room to feed his sheep. And in verse 19 he said, This spoke he signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken unto, he saith unto them, Follow me. Then Peter turning about saith the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper, and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter seeing him saith to the Lord, uh, to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus said, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And I love this verse because you can't change the word of God, you can't add and you can't take away from, but there is another place in our lives for a verse, and this is one of those. You can put in here, but what about this? What about that? What about anything? And if Jesus was sitting in front of you, he'd say, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And all the people said, there's nothing that we can put in there that changes this scenario. You know, we're there to follow the Lord. 
And that's the blessing, that's the rejoicing, as we know when we look at all of these things. And when they're saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die, yet Jesus uh, said not unto him, he shall not die. If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? You know? And as I said before, we can't change anything that's going on in this world. You know, we can't change anything politically, you know. I've said many, many times, when the elections come, you can pick a cheat or a liar, and it's your choice. You know, that's just how it is. That's the way of man. Praise the Lord, the government does wonderful things, you know. They're managing all of this stuff. It's got nothing to do with political parties. There's medical people behind everything. And as I say, in South Australia, we're in a very blessed position indeed in all of this time. But don't get lost in the noise. You know, it's not about this natural life, it's about the one to come. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat, and the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? These are the things that Jesus said. We're going to read on in a moment. But, you know, the things that Jesus said are just amazing. You know, half or probably 80% of what he said to them at the time, they wouldn't have had a clue what he was talking about. But on the other side of Pentecost, it just, like we say when we read the scriptures, it just leaps off the page at us. Which of you by taking thought, and that's what we're looking at in a lot of ways here today, thinking, which of you by any thought can add one cubit unto his stature? Like I said, you can't change a thing. You know, he's got the hairs on her head numbered. He's got a pretty easy job with me and a few other people. But praise the Lord, that's the way that he can cause us to understand these things. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, how they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And you just get a magnifying glass or a macro lens or something one day and just pick a little flower and have a look at it. Unbelievable. You know, something that probably goes under your foot in the driveway and it's got more design and more staggering things in it than you can imagine. And yet the Lord's saying, I'm interested in you. That's where my thoughts are. That's where my intent is. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And this clothing is not just what we've got on here today. And it's not just the white robes of righteousness and those sorts of things. He'll clothe, care, and look after us in everything. Even if we die, we're looked after with eternal life. And all the people said, you cannot lose in this game if we don't get lost in the noise. You know, just focused on what we've been called to. Therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? And with all shall we be clothed? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't think about what we're going to cook for tea tonight when we get home. But, you know, and we know what it's talking about here. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. And at the time of writing, the Gentiles were the people that didn't believe in God, that didn't know the God that's being spoken about here. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. 
And here's some more great advice from Jesus. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And seeking God and his righteousness, the kingdom of God, and this, that's not a once-off thing, it's a daily thing, it's our prayer, that we're one with the Lord every day. Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, you know. We read in the opening verses we looked at about the stuff that's coming our way in this world should the Lord tarry. But take no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. It's all going to happen. Let's be prepared. Let's be built up. Let's be strengthened in the things of God. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Remember a brother said to me one day, he said, the mind is a very powerful place. Never go there alone. And that's so true. Take the Lord with you at all times, you know. And praise the Lord, there's times when each and every one of us can help each other also. But, um, you know, the Lord is just amazing to us. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We'll get there eventually. And we're going to read in verse 4. Wherefore the weapons of our warfare, you know, the, the fight that we've got, the, the fight that we've got on our plate, if you like, is surviving until Jesus comes to get us. That's our fight. That's our battle. And the weapons of that warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then this incredibly powerful and necessary verse here, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that every thought is, what did Jesus say? Every thought is, what does the Bible say? Jesus was the Word made flesh. And we're to bring every thought into obedience of the Word. You know, just what does the Bible say? How does the Bible encourage me in these things? That's where we need to go before we start running around like a headless chook about things we cannot change. This is stuff we can change. If we know we're deficient anywhere here, if we know need to realize we need to do a better job for ourselves in this aspect or that, that's stuff we can do something about. But the rest will happen no matter what we what we do about it. But I said, whether people come or whether people fall away, Jesus is coming back. You know, that is going to happen, and we're all rejoicing and looking forward to that day. Um, where am I up to here? First Corinthians in chapter 2. There's so much great stuff here. Well, actually, I'll start in verse 13. Which things we also speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, Neither can he know them, because they're spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. And then here it is. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. And again, you know, we're just such privileged people. Apart from, you know, living in this country, living in these times, living, you know, the life that we get to live naturally, uh, praise the Lord, just like Jed was saying, he was the guinea pig. You know, when I heard, and it was very difficult circumstances, when I heard the word, 
and all I wanted it to be was true. You know, that wasn't, I didn't even understand a thing. I've said many times I didn't understand about God or Jesus or anything, but I'd been told that there was hope, that there was an experience, and I wanted it to be true, and it was. And that's just unbelievable that a nobody like me could hear the word of God, call out to the Lord, and have him answer me. And I'm hanging on to that at all costs, and so are my brethren and all the people said. It's, that's what we've got to fight for, and that don't get lost in the noise, whatever we do. Um, Romans, just a couple of things to finish. Romans 12. News has always uh, interested me. You know, people can spend a, an amazing amount of time, as I say, and even brothers and sisters in the Lord can get trapped chasing all the stuff across the globe. You know, you turn on Channel 10's news, um, for example, here in Adelaide, and the opening story will be about somebody's dog getting stolen, you know, and then you go to some other place and it's all about the global war, but you get fed what they want you to hear. You know, people talk about conspiracy theories, you know. The world is a conspiracy theory. You don't have to invent ones within it. Jesus told us what a lie the world is and how to get out of it and that he's coming. Simple, really, really easy. Here in Romans 12, the first couple of verses here, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You know? I was saying the other day, and some, somewhere else I can't remember where I was at the time, but whatever it is that we love is what we'll talk about. You know, if you're one of the sisters and you're in a knitting club, you know, and you'll talk about knitting till the cows come home, you know, to your friends and people you're running. What do you do? Oh, yeah, I knit, you know, and you tell them about the needles and the wool and, you know, dropping one and pearling two or whatever it is that you do, you know. And the same with us guys, we'll talk about our cars or our lawnmowers or, you know, whatever it might be. But we've got to make sure that top of the heap is the Lord. What do you do? I'm a Christian. What did you do yesterday? I went to church. How was your weekend? Fantastic. Give the public the answer they're not expecting. You know, I've said before about the you know, the girl at the checkout, she might say to me, oh, what did you do yesterday? I went to church. Just stare her right in the eyes. That's the one answer she wasn't expecting when she asked the question. And she just might say, oh, tell me some more. You know, give them the answers they're not expecting. Verse 2, and be not conformed to this world. That doesn't just mean be like this world. Don't be driven by this world. Don't walk to the beat of the drum of this world. They tell us that we've got to listen to this. And I love it when they've got some show on the TV. I don't watch TV, but you catch an advert now and again. And they say, this is the show that everyone's watching. I'm not. <laughs> and I'm quite sure you're probably not either. But they tell us that we've got to. You know, that you've got to have this and you've got to do this. And it be not conformed to the world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, our thoughts, what we think about, what we spend our time on, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that you might. This is why it's such a personal thing, our walk in the Lord. You know, churches that maybe we used to go to, you just rocked up, sat on a pew, a guy with a collar backwards would waffle on and you'd go home. But the real body of Christ and our walk in the Lord is an individual thing for each and every one of us. 
God is inside of you, dealing with you, collectively as a church, but it says there that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Philippians 4.8. I'm going to start with the word finally, but I've got another passage after that, so don't get excited. Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Jesus is true. What Jesus said is true. Let's make sure they're the things that we read and we love and we spend our time with. Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. This is where we need to spend our time so that we don't get lost in the noise of this world. We're going to finish in Ephesians in chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll start reading in verse 14. For this cause I bow my knee unto you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. This is an ongoing process for us. We can never say, I've been around 40 years, you know. It should be as much effort required to make sure today as it was the first day we came along. You know, that we should be willing to get our Bible out and read and pray and just remind ourselves about the wonder and amazement of what we're involved in. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye, you, me, you be rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, length, depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Look at the number of yous that are in there. That's an individual term, that we might know these things. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above all that we ask or think. You know, and I'll take us back to Peter when he was on the water there. Some process, even if it was just a millisecond of thinking, some process got him out on the water walking to Jesus. And in that story alone, it tells us what's capable, you know, what's available to us. I haven't watched one second of the Olympics. (laughs) There we go. But the Olympics are about achieving the highest order. Like if you're just running around at Cumberland Park or something, you've got no idea what the level is when you get to the Olympics. And I don't think we've got any real idea of what is actually available to us. But in a glimpse, Peter showed us when he walked on the water. You know, And if we can get our headspace anywhere near there, the stuff that we'll see individually in our lives and as the body of Christ, the testimony level will just go through the roof. It's already fabulous, but it'll be so much more. Above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. It's already there. This power's already there. Everything that's needed is already there. Unto him be glory in the church of Jesus Christ throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you 
that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. We've been called to be ambassadors and representatives of God here on earth, of Jesus Christ, about the kingdom of God, about the time to come, and about being ready. And let's make sure we do that. And all the people said, Amen. 